The truck is an 18-wheeler flatbed, and the object is to blow the horn that is hooked up on top of the truck, and they are well underway here, Brain. I don't think this is what Roger Miller had in mind when he sang King of the Road. They're moving at 55 miles an hour. You know, you get in an airplane, when it just goes up to the gate, you can't stand up or move. You're all over the place. What's going to happen in this truck? What happens if the door comes open? They'll be all over the highway. This month in wrestling history turns 10 months old today with our 10th look back at an event and my second stitch up in a row on my pick. Here as usual is Dan Phillips. How are you doing today, Dan? Very good, thank you. So we good, are looking good, back. Good, good, Sorry, good go to on, be yeah. here. Good to be here for, as you just pointed out, the second stitch up in as Yeah, this is, like uh, as many this is a wretched <laughs> event for my, my pick again. I think wretched is the only, only real listening. word for it. Keep listening. Yeah, keep, keep listening. Do not turn off. Yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff on it. So this uh, WCW Uncensored 1995 was the first WCW pay-per-view under the moniker Uncensored as they expanded their pay-per-view offering from eight in 1994 to 10 in 1995 under the tutelage of Eric Bischoff. And this show took place on March 19th, 1995 from the Tupelo Coliseum in Tupelo, Mississippi and drew a non-sellout crowd of 5,782 in a building that was set up for about 7,000. So unsanctioned, unauthorised and unbelievable was the tagline. And I think some of this certainly lived up to that. Um, no rules and anything goes apparently in the pre-show video rundown, which interestingly had cards subject to change written at the bottom, even though this was on a pay-per-view. So that's a bit bizarre, isn't it? Are they saying that, you know, we're going to actually change this in the I, middle I, of the pay I, I, made, I made a note of that. It was just like... Hmm. I recently watched a doc, one of the wrestling documentaries called Card Subject to Change. But that, was okay, about, yeah. but that was about independent wrestling and the fact that the card was quite literally subject to change because you just didn't know it was going to turn up. Yeah. I, when I saw that, I thought, what am I? What is going on here? I, I, oh. I wasn't sure whether that card subject to change was just added more to the, this is unsanctioned. I don't, like, we don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if sure. it was trying to add to it. I think what they did is that was the TV advert and they just plastered it onto the pay-per-view and couldn't be bothered to, to take it out. Maybe. So, Maybe. so that was the, yeah, which is, which is pretty shoddy. Um, so to be fair, I thought the crowd actually did look quite impressive on the opening shot. And then we cut to Tony Schiavone, who was 37, but looks about 15 here, didn't you think? Schiavone looked really young. He looked young. And um, I did make a note of, I don't know at this stage of his career if he knew that a microphone amplifies your voice for you. <laughs> Uh, it literally, he was screaming down the, down the uh, kind of thing. I was like, calm down. And that's what a microphone does. Amplifies your voice. Yeah, so you don't, don't have to. to, you don't have to scream into it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so yeah, he looked about 15. Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay were on commentary with him. And Shivani said that everyone was waiting for the strap match main event between Vader and Hulk Hogan with Ric Flair in Vader's corner. And Bobby added, this is the most important week ever in sports. Michael Jackson was going back to the NBA. Mike Tyson was getting out of prison. Just to clarify, Michael Jordan's going back to the NBA. You just said Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so that would have been Michael a big week in school. I didn't write Michael Jackson in my, in my notes. Wow. Uh, uh, crikey. It Michael was an even Jackson's bigger week. It was an even bigger week yeah. that week. Whoa. That would have been a that would have been a big <laughs> week. I can't believe I just, just made that. Yeah, crikey. Uh, Michael Jackson's not going, going back to the Mike Tyson was getting out of prison, obviously, WCW Uncensored, which is clearly the highlight of the of them all. And that was the night where Vader and Flair end it all for Hulk Hogan. Um, and Hogan had recruited the Renegade. 
to be his ultimate surprise um, and to be in his in Hogan's corner. And then we cut to a bit of a bizarre Hogan promo with no sound, with the renegade standing in the background in his pants with smoke engulfing him. So it's re- are you familiar with this renegade? It's basically a they were trying to trick people into thinking this was the ultimate warrior, essentially. Yeah, so I didn't, but I've read a lot since um, yeah. around how... So this was his debut. Uh, yes. I, I found out a lot more about the Renegade, which I'll, I'll mention later. But one of the things that I thought was a bit strange is, see, they said, oh, he's got someone from the dark side. So I assume that was them trying to lead into that he's got someone from from WWF. Yes. Because they kept yeah. saying he's got someone on the dark side. But yeah. then they just showed him in front of a man in pants that clearly wasn't the ultimate warrior. Yeah, I know. I know. Really, and I weren't really sure if that was an error. Man. They should never have like, I was like, because I didn't know this. I, I've never seen this before. So I was like, oh, is it going to be? And then I look and I'm like, oh, I don't know why they keep saying it's because they kept going, oh, who is the renegade? Who is it? We've just literally just seen him on that thing there. Like, why have you shown him? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're know, still trying to make out like it could be the Ultimate Warrior. It's it's it's, it's not. You've just shown him. <laughs> yeah, really, really Poorly bad. Done. Really bad form, I thought, from um from them here in terms of like pretty much sort of kind of blatant false advertising, really. Um so Mike Tanay said that in big news, the very first minute of coverage on the WCW hotline would be free. Um, and then we cut to the King of the Road match between Dustin Rhodes and the blacktop bully on a big 17-wheeler with the idea that the winner would have to climb on the top of the roof of this cage truck with hay on the floor and sound a horn to win this match. And as I was watching this, I thought, why, why, why did I pick this event to review? Um, so Shivani said they had to do this out of town for security reasons. And Heenan added that with all the manure, it was likely the truck smelt like Dusty Rose's living room. I can't imagine that this was cheap to film because I had a helicopter flying. This wasn't the days of like a drone you can get on Amazon for 50 quid and like Bluetooth film it from your phone. This was a helicopter that was filming this. So just unbelievably expensive. Um, Heenan talks about how dangerous it was and he's got a bale of hay, Shivani said, as Dustin rained it down on Blacktop Bully. Um, Dustin did a nice belly-to-back suplex as both men fell back into the nice soft hay. Um, they stumbled from side to side and Blacktop Bully tried to climb up but then took an exaggerated flip as the trailer slowed to turn around, around a, basically turn around a corner. Um, they drove past a trailer park and Heenan said, oh, what a lovely part of Tupelo, Mississippi. It's Mississippi condos and he said you've just seen where elvis lives with his 14 brother-in-laws um this was quite hard to watch way too long and absolutely dire albeit heenan just about made it bearable with his great one-liners including saying that dustin and his father ate out of troughs at home and um, the truck slowed down and there appeared to be real traffic and shivani said they had been stopped by a church bus and i just thought what on earth am i watching the picture cut out which tony called microwave interference and this match still went on and on bully got crotched over the top of the wood on the cage and it's just so long actually to the point of disbelief and blacktop bully eventually won when both him and dustin were on top of the cage and bully knocked him down and he sounded the horn what on earth did you make of this so i'll tell you what i'll note so simply picked up on exactly the same thing um i i mean i was i was getting excited going into because as, as you alluded to um they mentioned that if you know this night couldn't get any better, the first minute of the hotline was free. Yeah, which I just thought was such a such a nice touch. Like people generally were getting excited about that. Um, so they go king of the road match. They also mentioned that they'd been caged earlier. 
uh, yeah, yes. So I'm just like, right, they're not they're not actually animals. Like obviously, I think the point is you cage two animals, and so they can see each other. So then when you release them, they go at each other. Yeah. I, I don't know if the same thing works for humans. I don't <laughs> think it's right. Like whether it's just right, you need to, you're going to go and have a wrestling match with that guy there, or you're going to have a wrestling match with him, but we're going to make you look at him for ten minutes before in a cage. <laughs> like we we have we have our thoughts adapted from uh, just eat, have sex, and fight. Um, but anyway, I thought what an not in WCW in 1995. Exactly, yeah. Um, and then I was like, okay, so they've been caged. I was like, oh, here we go then. I, was, I thought this is interesting. So what's the aim here then? Like, there's no ref in there, so I guess you've got to throw them over. Or God, this could be pretty mad. So it is unsanctioned and all of this. Oh, you've got to blow. Well, in fact, Tony Fashion, you've got to blow the horn on the top originally. So <laughs> uh, you went, you've got to toot the horn. I was like, oh, okay. Right, I thought this was going to be mayhem, and actually, it's just get to the other end of the truck and just toot the horn. Uh, bizarre. Um, yeah, I I just thought what is happening. However, I think I like you. I found it quite strangely enjoyable. I think mainly because I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah, um, I've put in my notes. There's a tiny part of me, a really minuscule part, that thinks there might be some value in seeing this if you want to consume something that's awful. But yeah. I found I mean, it, if it was five minutes shorter, I I might have given it a, a recommend. But I mean, I he's got like Dustin Pile, like oh oh, he's hit a pile driver onto a bale of hay. Mm. Like like you said, Shivani's like oh, he's got a bale of hay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, like I, I I put on here, it looked to me like a adult soft play. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say that the bales of hay. So it wasn't like they were hard looking. It was like they were bouncing around on a, you know, like some really lovely soft bedding or something that you'd like to go yeah. and settle down like, in after a like, at work. Yeah, if you made up, like, we've got a bit of empty warehouse space. Um, should we just put some hay in here and open up to adults to come and wrestle each other? Yeah, yeah fine. <laughs> in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. Um, so, yeah, you had that. Um, and then, quite interestingly, so... There was talks about, you know, the Mississippi condos and all of that. I, d- I do understand apparently this wasn't actually filmed in Tupelo. Oh, well, we'll get, yeah, I think I'm going to get to that, yeah. Which yeah. we will get to. But just as a side, just to bring up Tupelo, just as an absolute massive tangent, when Tupelo come up, uh, this is where the event was, most people would be like, where? Okay. So obviously a lot of people know it's the birthplace of Elvis. Mm. Well, not a lot of people know, and obviously they can't see this, but in about 1999, um, I played against Tupelo Football Club uh, (laughs) in a match. They come over, they brought their youth teams over from Tupelo over to Wallington, South London. And uh, I was the captain and I got given what I am now showing. I'll I'll tweet it out there, a little pennant. Yeah, that's right. And a little... uh, Little Tupelo badge from the from the from the local area. To which you might wonder why we still got that. I just recalled it. Went up in the loft with all my football trophies. Yeah, little drop in that I've got loads. <laughs> and um, I'd kept when I was captain, kept some of the big matches or whatever. You'd get pennants and stuff, and I've kept them. And I've actually, in fact, got about fifteen of these Tupelo badges. So if anyone wants one, let me know. Yeah. Uh, it's just <laughs> quite literally a badge with. A star, well, I'm assuming it might be the logo of Tupelo. I don't know, 
But yeah, massive tragedy. And the week after, we played the youth team. Were they from, any good? Uh, no. No, no. No, I mean, I, I'm not meaning to be horrible, but this was 90, probably 98, 99. I think soccer's yeah. come on an awful lot since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, yeah, we've kept the game short, is what I'm going to say. Mm. And then a week later, no, the year later, sorry, a year later, we played the youth team from Birmingham, Alabama. But um, okay, yeah. But they, uh, I think they, they didn't bring a pennant with them, so I'm not going to have to show you. The, Poor show. The, but yeah, Very so shoddy. so for the first time ever, I'm I'm doing this podcast with sort of props around me. Um, yeah, I like it. Anyway, massive tangent, but just to clarify. I felt a little bit of um, felt a bit annoyed that uh, Heenan was uh, having a little dig at Tupelo there because I feel like <laughs> I've got like a, a soft spot I didn't know I had. Um, yeah, so that was happy. It was yeah, it was good on commentary. Um, Obviously, blacktop again. I'm I'm no I'm no yourself or whatever. I, I I'm no massive wrestling historian. So obviously, I went and checked and realised that's a that's another alias of Smash, um, mm-hmm. Smash Repo Man, Crusher Khrushchev, blacktop. I also saw that he was called Mister Hole in one. Um, oh, I don't know that one. Yeah, couldn't work out what 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 that was all about. Bloody love stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like they stuck in the traffic. Nice little touch. Wait for the church. I was there just wait for the church bus. I also just love the microwave interference. Like I was actually trying to think to myself, and back then, like I think when I was like growing up and stuff, there was loads of stuff around. Oh, uh, microwaves, microwaves in the air. You know, like when mo- like mobile phones first come out. Ooh. I've never heard that expression before. This actually, yeah, big yeah, time. I yeah, that, yeah, I got it. I was like, I literally felt like I was a kid watching like. Yeah, hmm. I would have, I would have, I would have gone with that. Now it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I, I actually felt that. Um, did you have a did, back in the um, early nineties? Did you have, did you have cable TV or did you have a dish back, in uh, the, cable. back when you first had it? Cable, cable. right? So when we 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 only had a, the original Sky TV for maybe a year because you couldn't have it in two rooms. I don't know if you remember. You had it in your room as well, didn't you? So cable, yeah. which we had as well, it was much easier to have that. The yeah. old original Sky satellite dishes, if it rained, you could see the flickers of rain on the screen. Oh, really? Yeah. And if it snowed, you you were in bad, you were in bad shape. You basically couldn't watch it because it was like yeah. massive lumps coming out. It was, see? It was awful. Tell you what, yeah, it's probably awful. the microwaves. Yeah, it's microwave. Yeah, microwave interference. So, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, look, I, I, I know that we're... We haven't discussed this, but I think we both know we might have read that. You'll, you'll be able to probably tell the story better than me. Um, the post-match sort of. Well, I'll go. I'll go through what's in the Observer, then jump in with any stuff that you've. But yeah, you've but obviously, I was, I was just going to yeah. say, Blacktop. When Blacktop won, I was a bit like, okay, what what's the ramifications of that? Because they just moved on, like yes. yeah. done. There were some fireworks in the ring. In fact, I was like, what's the storyline? What? Yeah. Oh, okay, it's done. Um, and just to clarify for this, um, when I add what we've just discussed and I think what you're just about to talk about, I do recommend. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just think I've not seen anything like it before. And I just think from what I saw of it, it was just bizarre. And the result of it, which I keep mentioning, but you're going to go on to, I think it's worth knowing what, what this is all about. Yeah, so I've got some more background information on this fiasco from the March 27th, 1975 Observer. So 
uh, WCW on Thursday fired Dustin Rhodes, uh, Dustin Runners, Blacktop Billy Baradaso, and road agent Mike Graham over the King of the Road match, which was broadcast as part of the WCW uncensored pay-per-view show for use of blood during the match, which is against company policy in a move that has become extremely controversial. In addition, the future of Dusty Rhodes with the company is also questionable at press time. Dusty was scheduled to do the co-hosting duties on the live main event show with Eric Bischoff prior to the pay-per-view but was replaced at the last minute by Bobby Heenan, who had to do a four-hour live broadcast. So although I've just I've skipped a bit out because he goes off on a bit of a tangent, but back on this match, although purported to be going on live in Tupelo, Mississippi, the match was actually taped in a rural area near Atlanta on March 14th. And according to the story we've heard, Graham, who is the supervisor of the King of the Road match, not only told the two wrestlers to both juice, which is supposedly strictly forbidden under company policy, but actually brought blades with him, with him for them both to use. So Rhodes 25 and Bully 35. So Darso is young here still. Proceeded to do a 20-minute match with both juicing heavily. And the few who actually were there during the filming claimed it was an excellent match. The match was edited down to 13 minutes on television. And although blood was visible at times, it was de-emphasising the editing and never mentioned the commentary. The nature of the edit and poor shooting of the match turned this into a total travesty as it aired on pay-per-view. Um, so there we go. Uh, this was kind of a you know kind of a disaster. And this was it for Dustin Rhodes in, in the company. He was he was off to go to, off to the World Wrestling Federation to play Gold Dust. And Meltzer gave this minus two stars. And um, oh, as I touched gosh. on, yeah, as I touched on, I don't think this is for me. There might be some value in if you just want to see something absolutely terrible i think that minus two stars to me adds to my saying recommended <laughs> i've said like, but yeah I, I something to say minus two stars i'd be going how bad is this um, yeah it was pretty bad and i, I mean, just it was... think it's nuts that like they, they know there's the no blade rule and yet or no bleeding rule and they both <laughs> they both decided to just blade during it and when you're I watching mean, it step a... by you can't see any blood no, you can't. I didn't notice any blood at all. I mean, that no. was a rule that was taken very seriously in WWE later. I think Batista was, it was a famous thing with Jericho and, and uh, Batista, I think, where Batista might have been fined $100,000 or something for this. So um, these companies took this seriously. Um, so after this, any any more to add on this match before we move, no, no. move on? No, thank, thankfully it's over now. Um, backstage, the stud stable was with Mike Tanay prior to Arn Anderson's boxer versus wrestler match with Johnny B. Bad. And Arn Anderson said that what you just saw was the first in a clean sweep. Johnny B. Bad, the hourglass has been turned and the time is running out to recapture his manhood. Um, he says he does his thinking with his heart rather than his head. And he's going to handicap himself by putting on the gloves against a wrestler. And he's the best wrestler in the world today. And it's never going to be more obvious that when he stre- than when he stretches him all over the ring. Colonel Robert Parker added that Bully had earned the money, 75000 and it was worth him paying for the blacktop to get out of jail. They also talked about the Ming, uh, a.k.a. Haku, going up against Jim Duggan. Um, I thought as good as Anderson was in his bit, Colonel Parker was just... I thought he was awful here, just like a total caricature. And his shouting actually legitimately gave me a bit of a headache. Um, he said Ming, Ming is going to show Duggan nine different types of martial arts. And in an unkind uh, statement, he said his cross eyes are going to stay crossed for good. And um, what did you make of these two promos? Yeah, I mean, Anderson, um, I didn't realise that he sort of had sort of went on his own. Because obviously I see he had the belt, um, which wasn't a tag belt, which obviously... We see later on. Was it TV um, title, wasn't it? Yeah, TV yeah, title. TV title, yeah. yeah. But he mentioned about DDT in the boxing match. 
And I didn't mm. really, at this stage, I was like, how are you going to do that? It's a boxing match. Mm. Uh, but obviously, I think later on, they mentioned that, I think, in essence, it's just a normal wrestling match. Uh, just like one, one of the guys, guys has got yeah, boxing gloves yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, and the other thing was, he paid 75 grand to get him out of jail. Why? Yeah, why? Why? Yeah. Uh, I was just like, what for? Like, okay, see, so what, so you paid for him to come out just to do that match in the hand? <laughs> I don't understand. What, like, again, like, a bit like I said with the story before, what, what, what are you in this for? Yeah, why? I, I don't know. It just frustrates me when there's no reason for these things. And I appreciate that. I appreciate on a, on a, on a weekly show, you've got matches that have no meaning. They're just so-and-so against so-and-so, whatever. On a pay-per-view, I just have this thing of every match should have some sort of do you know what though? Behind w- it. WWE are very good at that. And I think AEW are pretty good actually because obviously they're in their infancy still on pay-per-view. But some people moan about that. Sometimes you're like, well, why is pay-per-view time being taken up with recaps? Because I've, I've bought the show. But then you could say, I think WrestleMania is a prime example where I think you need recaps because you've got people that would be, wouldn't necessarily be watching the rest of the year. But in terms of this, it didn't really fill in the gaps. For people There's nothing there. Yeah. No. Um, so, yeah, but as you say, that Parker was really bad. It was and awful, also, wasn't it? Awful. Yeah, and this is the one where, yeah, I think when Meng just, or Hacker, whoever, says he's back to him, <laughs> like, yeah. the whole thing, and then just turns around right at the end. Yeah. So weird. We we did then get a preview from uh, Meng. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Meng and Duggan well, match. I'm probably well, I know that. You, you, no, so, okay, so you pronounce it Ming. Right, because on my notes Ming. I wrote Ming M I N G. But when okay, he come yeah. out, when he come out on the sort of the, his name on the thing was M E N G. Yes, yeah. yeah. But so you pronounce Ming. it Ming. You pronounce it Ming. Ming. So that's yeah. just like it might makes me think of Minger, which is obviously not a nice nice thing in the in yeah. uh, in our, on our fair shores. Anyway, we got a preview for Ming and Duggan uh, match, which even included a shot of obviously our old Mid South favourite Barry Darso in there. Um, and Ming was out first for the martial arts match uh, and was followed by Haxel with jeans on, stars and striped knee pads, uh, and a black vest slipped down to the belly button, which was quite, quite provocative. Um, and a huge, huge stars and stripes. I'm, so, I'm so, that was so provocative, that vest. I can't speak now thinking about it. Um, and a huge stars and stripes flag. And he got a decent reaction here, I thought. Um, the special guest for the martial arts match was Sonny Ono, who recently appeared as a commentator on a Tokyo Joshi Pro event I ordered on, I've written Spike, but it certainly wasn't Spike, on Fight TV, and spent almost the entire two hours talking about how he'd like to take the women out on dates in an even more unsavoury way than I've described. Um, Heenan asked on commentary whether he used to be married to Cher, and Shivani corrected him that that was actually Sonny Bono. One of the most embarrassing moments of my life, Dan, came in uh, Falaraki 2000, um, when I I was in I was madly in love with a girl uh, from my sixth form. We basically pretty much the whole sixth form went to Falaraki that year. Um, I was obviously it was unrequited love, which I'm sure you'll you'll be shocked to hear. Um, and I was convinced to do I got you, babe, on karaoke with her, and it was truly terrible. And for wow. many years afterwards, a black and white uh, VHS version existed of that, which I'm pleased to say no longer exists. Why we had a black and white camcorder there, I don't, I don't know, but there we go. So, yeah, moving on. Um, Tony said that in this match, you can pin your opponent or knock them out. 
Um, and I've seen a lot of pins in, I'm sorry, I've, I've written, I've not, I'm not sure why pins were in this martial arts contest, but there we go. Um, so it's hey, lots just, of it's just a wrestling match. Yeah, it's just a wrestling match. So why, why, why? Because you can have, you There's can win no a wrestling difference. match by stop, stoppage. Of course you can. Yeah, yes, so, exactly. Yeah. Very that, odd. That really um, irritated me, that. Um, lots of stalling before this got going. And Heenan even threw out a Dugan for old Mid-South uh, sake. Did you did you hear this? Yeah. Heenan was calling him Dugan on occasion. So I'm Dugan, sure it was yeah. a throwback to that, yeah. Um, Sonny insisted that both competitors bowed to him, which Duggan did too sarcastically for my liking. So um, from the March 27th issue of the Wrestling Observer, I thought Dave, uh, Uncle Dave summed this up pretty well. This was among the worst matches of all time. Tons of stalling early. Ming mainly used nerve holes when Duggan wasn't making comebacks with some of the most pitiful-looking offense of all time. Duggan looked much worse than usual, which I didn't think was even possible. Finish sure Duggan used a three-point clothesline on Ming, who popped back up since they were trying to push him as a monster. Duggan then began pounding on Rob Parker as the ref grabbed Duggan's arms, leaving him out, leaving them outstretched, and Ming delivered a thrust kick for the in 704 and another minus two stars um what did you think of this and what would your rating be okay so um just on the the ming bit they said oh he knows nine martial arts i was thinking so mm. could you name nine martial arts uh judo brazilian jiu-jitsu taekwondo uh what have I had so far? Judo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Taekwondo. Yeah. Is kickboxing one? Muay Thai, Muay Thai, Muay Thai kickboxing. That's yeah. what I thought. Um, Obviously karate, just get out. Karate, yeah. I, was, I wasn't getting there though. Five. Uh, I mean, there's variations of Jiu-Jitsu. I don't know if... I know, but I was just like, you know, it's like my shots. I was like, oh, it's there. Uh, anyway, that was a bit. Yeah, um, I, only got to, I only got to four really there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought Duggan had quite a good shape. It's just a shame that he is still he's 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 now the the joke Jim Duggan, not the Jim Duggan we we're watching in mid south. Yeah, fairly impressive. Um, there was a little bit though you said about Heenan going back to mid south. Well, if he's doing that, he needs to understand what he's talking about because he Duggan's there in his jeans and his vest, and Heenan goes, "That's formal wear for Duggan." <laughs> I think you'll find. I think you'll find. You're talking about yeah. Big South's best dressed man, 1985. He's not seen that. Do you know what? What Thank worries you me very much. When I when I was when I was watching this stuff at the time, because I watched a little bit of WWE around this time, especially because when the Nitros started on our version of TNT in the in the uh, in '96, I remember thinking Doug, like Doug and oh god, they, all these guys are so old. Like what they're doing? So it's like Doug was 41 here, so he was you know, probably about 18 months older than I am right now. So, um, yeah, yeah, not not amazing, really. Sorry, is that, am I meant to be surprised by that? <laughs> no, I know, but it's just like, you get, I think, the first I'm one, joking, you, you put, I mean, he looks absolutely awful. But you, you'll probably agree with me this. The, the first one that you notice as you're going for your 20s and 30s, that all of the footballers yeah. that you look up to are younger than you. Yeah. And then the young ones, like Sessegnon, you feel this like, Odd fatherly pride. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now I'm at the age where wrestlers that I thought were old, like the classic one, which I've talked about on the show already, was when Hogan lost the title to Yokozuna at King of the Ring '93. He was 39. 
And I'm like, like, this old man, what's he doing? What's he doing? Get rid of him. I'm like, I'm now 39. Brilliant. Get the title off me. (laughs) Give my podcast to some whippersnapper 25 year old. Yeah. Yeah. Get him Um, in. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So I thought, you know, it's just a little bit of disrespect to the best dressed man of 85. But uh, I also listened to their explanation that uncensored means that there's no rules in any of these Mm. matches, which I don't know if you heard, but. Um, well, there are rules, aren't there? That's the point. Well, this like, is what I mean. It didn't make sense. Yeah, and then, yeah. But they done it because they were they were alluding to the fact that Ric Flair um, had been banned or something, but someone said they'd seen him or something. Yeah, yeah. So they were alluding to the fact that's why he was allowed to be there. Yes. Um, I mean, he said that, but then the ref still stopped Doug and Count, uh, you know, in the corner when they do the 10. Yeah. The ref still stopped him. So I was like, it's yeah, not no rules, is it? No, um, it's not. And there was literally no martial arts. He knows nine <laughs> martial arts, as we've just clarified. I saw none, really. <laughs> um, and earlier on, I mentioned that you should watch that match because the minus two stars means you should watch it because you should be even more intrigued. And yeah. I've now just realised that that is absolute rubbish. Um, that does not <laughs> apply to every minus two match. No, this is a minus two match. Don't even be intrigued by it. No, and mainly no, because at least is... the other one was that they're in the back of a truck driving pretty fast around mm. the road yeah. and stuff. This is just in a wrestling ring. This is no yeah. awful, like up there with <laughs> one of the worst, it was worst awful. matches I've ever seen. What maybe, do you think was worse, this or Nikita Koloff and uh, Bobby Eaton from Bunkhouse Stampede? This didn't have anything. No, yeah, I know what you mean. I just, at least this was shorter, though, is the only, is the only thing that yeah, I Yeah, I guess, yeah, I, you, the pain was less. Yeah. I guess, I guess, I guess, no, yeah, I guess that would have been worse, because at least there was the odd bit where I chuckled. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Whereas that that match, the, the, the thing that annoys me a lot that about match that match is... That match would be like a real match. The other well, who, like, yeah, the people in it as well. And then you get 20 minutes... Yeah, yeah, we, we've talked... Yeah, let's not go back to Bunkhouse Stampede because I can't, I can't, I just can't do it. Any, any more to it? So are you going to skip on this one? 100% skip. Please yeah, don't I, anyone I watch this. No, we've done it do for you. Watch this. Do not watch this. So Johnny B. Bad and Rock Finnegan, his boxing trainer, are backstage with Mike Tanay. A bad says he knows he's at a disadvantage with his boxing gloves on, but it's not about boxer versus wrestler. It's about him versus Anderson, and he's going to send to Dreamland. Finnegan, who I couldn't find anything about online, uh, but admittedly didn't try all that hard, um, said bad was going to knock that stiff out. Any thoughts on this promo? Um, I assumed he was trying to replicate Mickey. Yeah, big time. From Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Um, couldn't find nothing about him. I don't think... I'm going to be honest, I don't think he's a real wrestling trainer. Um, <laughs> boxing trainer, yeah. Yeah, boxing trainer, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, particularly as later on, when they're in the corner, all he says is, take a deep breath, take a deep breath, <laughs> take a deep breath. And I was like, yeah. well, that's a great bit of advice. What about like yeah. jabbing with a left or he just kept going, take a deep breath. But yeah. literally in that Mickey from Rocky voice, I just assumed that. the best advice. There. 100% who he's trying to be. Um, and then obviously for me, yeah, again, going back to history, I'm you know, not as fair as you guys see, realise that Johnny B. Bad is Mark Miro. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I always thought he was quite good in WCW, actually. And we'll, we'll go on and talk about this match in a in a moment. A, but yeah, he was an amateur boxer, wasn't he? For what I, for yeah, I yeah, I think he was uh, Golden Gloves is, is the amateur boxer, yeah. isn't it? Um, 
Uh, we then cut to a video package on the TV champion, Arn Anderson. He gets out of a car and says, yeah, I know what you're thinking. Why is Anderson in that big Mercedes as usual? Which I thought was very, very David Brent. What did you think about that line? I thought this was very, very Joel Watts. <laughs> oh, really? This whole promo <laughs> yeah, yeah. very like, hey, look at me getting out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm you're right. Very David Brent. But it's just, yeah. it was just very Joel Watts with the whole, I don't know, this whole promo, I've just put Joel would be so proud of this. And yeah, in fact, he actually, at the end of this event, the credits come up, which I will come to later. And I was looking to see if I could see Joel's name mm. on there. Because I thought, I wonder if he put this together. Yeah, um, I think Bill Bill was around in WCW a little bit before this, actually. So I don't know where Joel... But Joel, I, Joel I've, I've tried to find Joel. And perhaps we'll talk about this more off, off air. Um, but I have done some research and I've reached out in a few directions, but I've I've not struck any gold as of yet. But I will keep, I'll keep yeah. you updated on that. Um, so... Anderson adds that the stress of being TV champion meant he needed to buy a toy for himself. And then we get a few clips of him in the ring. Um, he adds that he's got a destructive personality. He's had a great career. He's ended some careers. Um, there's a shot of him looking in the glass of the car, talking about what a good wrestler he is, which yeah. I enjoyed. And he said, burn my face into your memory because it's going to be there as long as he wants it to be. And Arn adds that he'll be the TV champion as long as he wants to. Um, I thought this was quite good, um, but perhaps a little bit too cheesy and sometimes not necessarily cheesy in a good way, but maybe slightly grating, but I still thought it was decent overall. What did you think of this? Uh, yeah, it looked, again, it looked very Mid-South style, Joel style, yeah. which which with this promotion and, and, and how it is, looked a bit out of place. Mm. You know, like, you know, this is 95. Joel was doing that in 85, these aren't yeah, really the promos. Yeah. People didn't do the promos then, like, you know, oh, this is me and my car and all that. Yeah. It, I must admit, that Arn Anderson, he really reminds me of FTR. Mm. Really, really does how he is and stuff. Um, and, but yeah, I, it just, it, I don't know, it looked just a bit weird. It looked like it what didn't belong there, but. It didn't quite, yeah, I know what you mean. It didn't, it clicks in certain bits, but other bits just didn't really work, did they? Put it this I, way. I thought. If we, if we didn't watch Mid South, and I was just watching this, I would I think I'd be like, what was that? Yeah, yeah. What's and an you know absolute what think... joke? It's like I'd be laughing at it, like how rubbish it was. So I think and because just, we just... do, I think I've got a, like a like okay, I get where you're coming from. I don't know. I yeah. think my views different. I think the problem with this, think having thought about it and listened to what you said, is that they didn't that they they kind of blurred the the lines of the tone. So it wasn't like a it wasn't like a smarmy semi-comedic heel thing it kind of went a little bit that way and but then he, he had some serious lines in it as well but then you could yeah. if you're going serious i don't think you can have your have him looking in the car window and talking about what a good wrestler he is yeah so i think that's that's the problem with it it was just it was kind of a bit all over the place really um so next up was the boxer versus wrestler match arn anderson versus johnny be and as we mentioned earlier, Johnny had the gloves on. Uh, Gary Michael Capetta explained that this match was structured over 10 three-minute rounds and you can win by way of, I've written pinball, you can't win via a pinball match, pinfall uh, or big pause. Yeah, I wish you could. Yeah, it would be more entertaining. Uh, Capetta paused massively here. Obviously, I don't know if he'd forgotten, but then he, and then he basically came back and said that you could also win by submission uh, as in uh, like you could in a wrestling match or a 10 count knockout as in boxing um, and were you praying as I was that this wasn't going to go 10 rounds I was I mean I put down so again you can win by pinfall submission and 10 count that's just a wrestling match however <laughs> later on they sort of drop in 
that Anderson could only win by pinfall and submission. Oh, did they? And Johnny B. Bad had to win by a 10 count. Okay. They okay. didn't explain well, that right. stuff. That's, Apparently that's that, that was, yeah. That's but better. I mean, I found that out literally a minute before the end. I actually thought the first round was pretty... I, I, I went into this thinking this is going to be terrible. And then I thought the first round was pretty decent. And it consisted basically of Johnny B. Bad totally on top and landing quite a lot of fast and very stiff-looking punches, particularly into poor arms midsection. And what did you make of some of these punches that he was landing here? I, I thought it looked fairly realistic. Yeah. In regards to yeah, that, I did too. Yeah, it looked to me like what I would expect if a boxer and a wrestler did come to blows. Is it? Yeah. Mainly, like the wrestler is just relying on being able to get the boxer off his feet. Yeah. Um, and before that, he would just be hitting him, hitting him. But mm. uh, yeah, and he was, he was. Oh, yeah, I thought he was giving him. He went yeah. on back. I didn't think I couldn't. I didn't notice, and I was looking for this whether. Um, Johnny B. Bad had, I didn't, he didn't look like he had massive gloves on or anything, did it? I thought he had pretty standard, yeah. like 10 or 8 ounce boxing gloves on, and he was laying these in. Um, so moving into round two, there were more big shots from Johnny, and Arn barely made it back to his feet at the count of eight after a good looking flurry. Um, and then it continued just brutal, brutal body shots to Arn um, from Johnny in this, which led to Arn going down for another count, which he made it back to his feet at eight again. Um, Anderson was dropped again as Shivani explained there was no three knockdown rule in this contest um, so the bell rang for the end of round two and Anderson attacked Bad when while his back was turned and hit him with a DDT Rock Finnegan helped Bad back to his corner um, Anderson followed up again before the bell rang um, screamed no disqualification at the ref and then held Bad over the top rope um, Anderson held Bad into the corner as Parker held up the stool and then hit him with a spine buster. Um, Finnegan then interfered with a sleep on Anderson for a big reaction. And eventually Bad rallied with body shots before being hurled to the outside where Parker was beaten on him. Um, Anderson threw Bad into Finnegan, who then began cutting Bad's glove between rounds, um, as it, I presume to get the gloves off so he could wrestle it. But I, I can't imagine, you know, if he's got to keep the boxing gloves on, then I would imagine that would have been a DQ. But anyway, Finnegan then put a bucket on Anderson's head after Bad. Uh, and Bad then punched the bucket. Um, then he took his glove off and delivered the KO. Oh, he didn't get DQ for taking the glove off. Um, took his glove off and delivered a KO punch in 22 seconds of round four, which got a really great reaction from the crowd, and um, with the ref counting the 10 for the win for Bad. So for, for, for what it was worth, I thought this was fairly entertaining, especially as I was dreading it going in. What did you make of this one? I like the end. I like, the, I like that he put the bucket on his head and he punched the bucket. Uh, and then he hit him with his bare knuckles. I thought that was quite humorous. I'll be honest with you. I went on a massive tangent while I was watching this. And okay, go my on, tangent yeah. has really, really spiked my intrigue in a different match. So they they compared this match to Muhammad Ali versus Antonio. Yes. In... Anoki, Anoki, Sorry, yeah, I can't believe I can't. I can't believe I mispronouncing it. Yeah, Antonio Anoki, who was the grandfather of New Japan. Sorry, go on, yeah, yeah, Anoki. Sorry, yeah, and sorry, my notes are awful. And I was like, sorry, you're comparing this to Muhammad Ali. Come on, have a day off, right? We're talking. So then I went and had a look. So, 26th of June, nineteen seventy-six. They took on, they took each other on, and and apparently some people see saw this as a precursor to MMA. 
that this this yep. helped develop her marriage, which was quite interesting. Um, it's good. And... I'm just going to hold something up to you, Dan. You can can you see that in the in the thing? Yeah. So, that yeah. Was, so in the in the one of the one of the um, uh, little souvenir shops in. Yeah, not a bad purchase if you uh, yeah, if yeah. you wanted to to do that. Yeah, but yeah. So they said that. So I looked at it, and he kicked Ali a hundred and seven times. Yeah. Um, if I, so it was a draw, um, and the reason behind this is Bret Hart explained about this. So Bret Hart was trained. By pronounce it again for me, Anoki. 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 Bret Hart was trained by Anoki. Was uh, he trained by? Where did you find that? Apparently so. I didn't even he was, know that. He was working with. He was well. He's working with him at the time. Right. Okay. And um, what happened? I wonder was, if Anoki did. Did Anoki do a? Uh, Joe, sorry. You look. You carry on, and I'll look. Look. look so what, what, happened was, what I'm about to say. Yeah. Ali didn't want to. Didn't want to do a worked match yeah he didn't, so. do, he didn't want to do so apparently Ali agreed to lose because because this was like the this was New Japan only been around for a few years at this point I think maybe four years but when it came to the crunch he didn't want to do it so Dan yeah. carry on I'm so not going to interrupt again so that's fine so so he didn't want so he didn't want to so he said I want a real match but then they added a load of limitations in there but Bret Hart come out and said that Ali's men, shall we say, Ali's entourage, had said to Anoki, if you lay a if you lay a finger on him, then we'll kill you after this. Oh you really? Yeah. If you lay if you lay a finger on him. Which he took literally, which is why he spent the match lying on the floor kicking him because he didn't yeah. want to hit him with his hands because he generally thought that that would happen. Bret Hart claims. Um I also, so that's, well, that's quite interesting. Um, Ali was trained by the Sheik. Sabu's uncle, whatever. Yes, yeah. Um, and But it is considered the most embarrassing match of Ali's career. However, it, it was in 34 countries. 1.4 yeah. billion people viewed it. And a gentleman called Vince McMahon Senior. Yes. Showed it in Shea Stadium to 32,000 fans on CCTV. Yeah. And also, what, include, what the... and also included Andre the Giant um, in a wrestler v boxer match. In the oh, yeah. Chuck Wetner. Yeah. yeah. But what I love about it, again, is I'm reading all this. I'm really interested in it all, particularly the Bret Hart story about that's why he was on the floor kicking him. That's why I've done a draw, so they both didn't lose. And then it's like considered the most embarrassing match of his career. Vince McMahon Senior, though, he cashed in on it and managed to get sales. Like, like it just shows you how their brains work. Like we can get money out of this. Like they, he was, he in essence just showed that match on on the cinema screen. So, so what? And what, he sold um, out thirty-two thousand people. Well, yeah, yes, that is part of it. But what what happened is that um, this was a rare rare time where a lot of the lot of the regional promoters in the states got together and they would they put a show on to so wrestling show in their local arena. It'd be like Ric Flair was somewhere doing a match with somebody. 
I think it was Flair. Um, it might have been a bit early for Flair actually, but that that you know Jim Crockett etc. Um, but then at the, end, the the end of it, they showed that. But the Shea Stadium one was the I don't know I don't know, I think it was WWF at that point. Um, but yeah, so that was that they came. I can't remember what the main event. I I think I think it was Bruno, maybe Bruno and Pedro Morales. Was that was that um was that I'll have a look I'll have a look at that actually yeah um I, I think that I think that was the um I think that was the main event at this at the at the Shea Stadium show that kind of um you know helped draw that house but obviously with the with the provisor that they could watch the Ali match as well because Ali was you know I mean we're talking about I mean Tyson was a huge deal when um he he was at Wrestlemania and that even made like mainstream newspapers here the next day but i mean i don't think tyson was ever at the level of ali was he? i mean obviously he's before our time um but yeah i mean it was it was certainly you know a huge huge deal at the time yeah i just thought like i i think i'd vaguely heard that ali had rest like kind of boxing wrestling thing but i hadn't really sort of looked into it so yeah going back to what i said during this match i just went down this sort of like little thing so because it wasn't wasn't giving me any interest at all. Um, uh, sorry, it was um, San Martino versus Stan Hansen was the was the main event at Shea Stadium, um, and it, okay. yeah, as, as we talked about, Andre the Giant defeated Chuck Wepner um, in another wrestler yeah. versus boxer match before, and then it, and then it cut to. I wonder what t- I, I'm sure I've I've heard this before, but the, the, it must have started in Japan at an awkward time for maybe in the day. I suppose it would have been for it to be. Um, for it to work pay-per-view time in the States. I guess that would have been, it would have had to have been like lunchtime. I think that's the same for, um, do you remember Buster Douglas and Tyson was in the Tokyo yeah. game? And that was the same thing. So I think lunch, so actually it's not that bad actually. Lunchtime there is the evening before in the States. That probably yeah, would have been yeah, okay, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I went on to that. So I had this down as a skip. Okay, <laughs> fine, fine. Uh, wasn't for me. I like the end, but that's about it for me. So Uncle Dave didn't mind it too much. He said, um, this was hardly the type of mixed match they do in Japan, but for what it was, it was entertaining. Two and a half stars. I'd say it was all right. I thought this was, I think this is my match of the night, actually, believe it or not. But there, there we go. So, so, so it goes to show about what, we, what comes next. <laughs> um, so we cut back to Heenan and Shivani at the desk with Heenan protesting the result and saying that Johnny B. Bad must have had something in his fist Tony then threw to a video package on the Matcha Man Manny Savage, which had several shots from him in the ring, plus some fans chanting his name with all with uh, a kind of jarring, blurred red and white effect over the top of it. What do you make of this um, this package here? Not something Joel would be proud of, is what I wrote. No, what an absolute contrast. Was... He'd be horrified at this. Oh, this, this was, was just a collection of moves, some music, and it was just a rubbish. Yeah, it was. And I didn't think the promo up next from Savage was much, much up to much either. So Tanae was backstage with him um, before Savage takes on Avalanche, the former Earthquake in uh, the WWF. And Tanae asks him whether the recent attack from Avalanche serves as a wake-up call. Savage called a- Anderson a buckethead and said that Avalanche can't handle him. He's too cold to hold and he's thinking he's going to explode in his face. He then said he'd knock Tanae out uh, uh, and said to get the smile off his face, and it's no more Mr. Nice Guy. Completely bizarre from Savage here. What did you think of this? Very strange. Um, yeah. No Elizabeth at this stage then? No, Elizabeth was in WCW a bit later. Um, okay. But yeah, uh, uh, they, they, they've been broken up for years at this point, so yeah. probably three and a half years. 
Okay. Because, um, and also, like, one thing Savage does do, I'll say, is you, when you're doing a promo, you look at the camera. Mm. But he, I always notice it. He'll, he don't, he look, he talks to the interviewer. That camera just happens to be there. Well, it, yeah, it, it it works for me, and it, it certainly works because he's got the because he's got all the sort of jazzy outfits and stuff. Actually, when he's turning around and stuff, you get to see the whole thing. So it just yeah, sort of works. Because yeah. anyone else, you'd be like, you're not even looking, you know. But he was like <laughs> having an argument with the commentator, which. I, um, uh, he also, uh, yeah, he also I, I think he said something like, like, sort of criminal, like, do you know who I am? Sort of thing. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I cottoned on to, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, weird, weird old babyface promo here. Um, he had the slightly synthesized pomp and circumstance music when he came out, which I didn't particularly like. And Gary Michael Capetta called him one of the most exciting performers, one of the most charismatic wrestlers in the history of World Championship Wrestling. Get ready for macho madness. I thought this is a good reaction from the crowd for Savage, who was 42 at this point. Just um, clarify, yeah, did man. he have the same music again? Uh, so, you know, I think Pomp and Circumstance was was kind of like, it's so old that it could probably use in any yeah, circumstance. Yeah, so I, I put here. I put the same music because I don't think Vince can copyright in essence land of hope no. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. All, all they've done is put um, some like guitar synthesized type yeah. stuff on it, but which I didn't think was necessarily needed. Um I, I, it bug, bug, not to go off on a tangent, but it bugged me when Bret Hart made his comeback in what 2011 when they changed his interest music. It's like, just leave the interest music alone. Did you don't need to change it? Um, there's an ongoing storyline throughout the show that the commentators kept mentioning, but I haven't yet, which was Hulk Hogan's manager, Jimmy Hart, was yeah. not backstage as of yet. So building up the, the, the anticipation of that. Savage's opponent was John Tenter, as you said, the former Earthquake in the WF and now Avalanche. His music and his outfit was almost a complete rip-off of his earlier gimmick. Um, in terms of the match, I actually thought this wasn't terrible, albeit it was quite dull and the crowd barely got into it. However, good old Uncle Dave wasn't so kind with his assessment. And he said, Avalanche, who looked terrible, dominated most of the match. Match had no heat. Avalanche missed the splash off the middle rope and Savage did his double sledge off the top to the floor when Flair came out in drag and attacked Savage. The crowd was doing the woo quite loudly, but the announcers didn't call who it was until he took the wig off. By this time, Avalanche did the Avalanche drop, but Hogan did a run-in for the save and they ruled it a DQ in 11.44 for Flair's interference. So a DQ on a show with supposedly no rules. Um, Hogan got a strong reaction for the save, but obviously that would have impacted his pop later on. The flare running was just weird and not very well explained. Um, he challenged fans to a fight in the aisle way. I have to go skip here with a grain of sand size. It was all right, but you're not really missing much if you decide that you absolutely do not want to spend any time watching this match. What do you think of Savage versus Avalanche? Um the Avalanche used to be Earthquake. I see what they did there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of thought went into that. Um, and further thought, further of my thoughts went into the match manager was 43. Fine. Avalanche is 32 in, in, in that. Wow. Yeah, 32 young man. years old. Yeah. The state of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> absolutely incredible. Absolutely yeah. Incredible. yeah. Um, first sort of high-flying move that was this one was a bit more normal up until yeah the i agree so it's a normal match um so you had some sort of you know high high flying and which looked out of place um and 
which was weird because I, I, I don't know how my idea is it like so he come off the top like top row savage and I was like oh that looks strange compared to everything else we've seen um, but given I've been watching a lot of New Japan where that's commonplace mm, yeah it was quite weird to be like how things have massively changed right so um, I thought Hina was good with his commentary again the Tupelo in, insults continued um, so if you saw the fan art that's coming over the side of the barrier that had a target on so someone had put like a no I didn't see it no. so like, like a banner and it was a target and it said hit here and I thought they were going to do it <laughs> so it was all saying to throw someone into it which I thought was quite oh, good oh okay yeah um, so yeah uh, what have I saw I've got here um, I must admit like say there's normal ma- one thing I would say about Earthquake or Avalanche River he does use his weight fairly well I think he uses it where he doesn't try and do things that he wouldn't be able to do. And then the moves he does do always strike me as like they would be fairly effective. I actually didn't mind it for as a match. Um, I did laugh like when Flair come out, um, when Flair come out the crowd and Hina said, is it Sherry? <laughs> and then he went to Tony Schiavone. It's your wife, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> it does make me laugh. That, so he's gone, I've gone and have to dress up as a woman. I'm, I'm going to dress up as a woman. Just, so he's gone for like a middle-aged, like nan that's gone down the shops. Well, I so suppose he's like, a middle-aged, yeah, sort yeah, of like little mini, little yeah. mini heel. Like, you look yeah. like, you know, like should be pushing a shopping trolley sort of like. I just thought like, <laughs> Like you're going in drag, go wherever you like. Um, so yeah, um, obviously Hogan comes to the rescue. At the top again, I'm watching it. I don't know what the story is there, so I was a yeah. bit like, oh, okay, what's was what he here? Um, I think so. Basically, the back, the background story was that Hogan had destroyed Flair since he'd been in the promotion, um, even to the point that. Flair had lost a retirement match the previous year. So actually at this point, Flair wasn't wrestling. He, he was about to be reinstated. But yeah, so it was like a, just a Flair-Hogan continual yeah, kind um, of thing. Annoyed me about the disqualification because they made a massive thing yeah. about uncensored. And I don't know if you've gotten the answer earlier on, but I, during, I, I tried to find online because I couldn't be bought. Oh, well, I just haven't got the time in my life to do it myself. But <laughs> if anyone that's ever reviewed the show counted the amount of times that Heenan said uncensored, Oh, he no, I said yeah. it yeah. continually. Um, and then uh, there was disqualification, which sort of like was completely irrelevant than what you said. Yeah. Um, and if he wasn't if he wasn't saying uncensored, he was saying, Where is Jimmy Hart? Oh yeah. my gosh, where is you? So <laughs> I, I didn't mind this as a match. Um so I would say it was all right. And 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 I could be oh, maybe I, yeah. I could be maybe slightly uh, what's it rose tinted because it's got savage in it um, but at the end of the day you know Rick Fair's come out dressed as a woman I guess that's worth, that's probably worth seeing a lot of not, I, I didn't a think lot not, there's a lot of not I thought it was a deep like the match the wrestling was okay top no, I said it's savage up on the top rope stuff and then there's a bit of novelty in there as well yeah I, mean, I, I would didn't, say yeah. it was alright I mean we're not I mean I love the fact that I'm sort of defending myself for giving something, no. it was all right. But no, that just is a testament to how bad this was. Yeah, I'll go skip skip to it. It was all right. I didn't I didn't think it was nearly as bad as Dave um, 
that Uncle Dave uh, mentioned there. Um, right, we're moving forward. So backstage, we cut to Mike Tanay with the WCW World Tag Team Champions Harlem Heat along with Sister Sherry. Tanay said tonight they were hooking up under Texas Tornado rules against the Nasty Boys. And Stevie Ray said that they were going to see what the Harlem Heat were all about. That the Nasty Boys are going to get done. Booker added, this is the final countdown and they can do whatever they want to do. And if they want to clock someone upside the head with something foreign, they can. He added that the redneck town, this redneck town is going to be obliterated. Um, Sherry said this was her first Texas Tornado match, but she couldn't think of a more cohesive team than hers. The Nazis had been a thorn in their side for too long and they're going to strut down the aisle, their derrieres going from side to side and sticking their chests out. And then today just cut her off. He'd had enough. Um, I thought Stevie was good. Booker less so. Sherry was good until the weirdness at the end. What did you think of this? Yeah, I was glad he cut her off. Yeah. <laughs> Literally proper cut her off. Uh, yeah. yeah, I did. Uh, to be honest, I didn't know that Harlem Heat were actual brothers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was my like, little interest. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah. We're coming on to the match. I don't really want to talk too much about the promo. No. So, I mean, that for the- this um, this match is, I mean, it's just, uh, it's just quite, quite something isn't it really um so uh oh no hold on that's later isn't it so we've got some yes later that's what i'm saying later okay yeah crikey so yeah all right so we cut to heenan and shivani with heenan with a weird but hilarious line asking tony if he if his shoes were brown and tony (laughs) totally exasperated said they were black i'm just like (laughs) heenan at this point i don't know I felt I thought Heenan lost a bit of lost lost a bit of steam towards the end, probably because he had to do an extra hour on the pre-show. But he was, I mean, I think he was just amusing himself at this point. He was getting probably getting paid solid six figures oh, for oh, pissing I, about, I, basically, I wasn't it? I fully yeah. agree. Yeah. That for me, it was I think he got to the point where he was just like <laughs> He must know sometimes. He's he's been around enough to know this is a load of rubbish. And yeah, I just felt yeah, he was time. just he was just thinking, I can and he's right, you know, I can save this. Because yeah, I can save whatever I want. And, you know, because I'll tell you, you know, like there's when I think about this 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 show, it, the, if I had to put if I had to put positives in there, it he would be one of them. He's the MVP of the show, no doubt. Yeah. Well, long, yeah. So but he is getting to the point where I think he's just I mean, it is the strangest thing. Are they brown shoes? <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? Just, just brilliant. Uh, we then got a background to the Sting and Big Bubba Rogers match, including his name change and gimmick change from the Guardian Angel um, as a babyface to Big Bubba Rogers, as he was known in Mid-South. And Tanay backstage with Sting, he said, Tanay doesn't know him all that well, but he's always on fire, especially when he's in a town like Tupelo. Words can't describe it. Big Bubba, AK, whatever you want to call yourself, it's your end and he's feeling good. Um, safe to say that Sting's promos have improved somewhat over the years, uh, though this was okay. What did you think of Sting's promo here? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was okay. I didn't, I didn't mind. I don't, again, I, I never really knew Sting. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, when you say, you know, his promos are okay, I don't know. I've not seen enough of him, except yeah. for now I am like a schoolboy when he comes out in AEW. <laughs> um, up until actually tell like this week I was a bit more okay because because yeah for anyone watching it he, he he's there every week but he's had one match which was a 
Sort of not a cinematic match, but it was a. Oh no, it was a cinematic match. I'd say, yeah, you call it, it a wasn't a match. match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he keeps appearing, and you're just a bit like, okay, you got doesn't to do, do anything, does he? Really? Um, and yeah. like, I think they're teeing it up that he's going to have to start, really. Um, but again, I'm still like a like, yeah, you know, I'm watching him for the first time, so I don't know much about him. So, for yeah. example, that look there, the blonde hair. And the, and the red paint. That's all new to me. Yeah, okay. So I don't know okay. if he's bad or good at promos. Um, I mean, yeah, like I said, I mean, he's 36 there. Um, Was he really? Wow. Yeah, which which I would say you're close to your prime, right? Or, is you, or you're in your prime. When would you say your prime um, is? It, Between well, 25 and 35, maybe? So maybe it, depends when, it depends when you start, I think. Yeah. Because you could, you could say that, I mean, someone like uh, Kazuz... Kazu, oh crikey! Someone like Okada, I can't. I've, I've just botched yeah. his first name there. You might, you might say his prime's, bef, you know, behind him, but he's only 32, 33. Kazu, Kazuchika, Okada. Yeah. There you go. Just about got there. Uh, didn't really get there. Um, but someone like Sting, it really, it kind of depends. It, it is, yeah. I mean, it depends a lot of things. I mean, his his prime promo wise was the last. You know, probably the, the the final few years of TNA, and certainly his stuff in WWE when he was able to cut, cut a promo was really good. And I thought his AEW stuff when he's been given the mic, he, he seems to have a confidence now that he didn't he didn't sort of have um, back then. So he was th- mm. what did you say thirty six at this point? Thirty six, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's mad, isn't it? So he literally just turned thirty six. So um, I'm surprised. I'm quite surprised by that. I mean, his his big kind of his big crowning moment was 1990 when he um when he won the world title for the first time which was was actually talk about in this um so gary michael capetta called this the super contest and rogers was out first in a striped white shirt tie and gray hat the sting laser tossed into the crowd um he looked, really like like, he, I've got, he looked like a blues brother. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really like the old um, man called Sting theme tune. He got a strong reaction from the crowd. And Sting clapped hands with people on the aisle as Heenan wondered how many people in Tupelo had washed their hands prior to the event. Another great line from Heenan. Um, there was a horrible spot midway through this as Rogers didn't clear Sting on a leapfrog and smashed his head into Sting's groin. Albeit, they, Sting then started selling his legs. So I, I couldn't work out whether that was just improvised. But... Um, and uh, Shivani talked about Sting's knee injury in 1990, which cost him six months and ultimately delayed his coronation's world champion. So he was basically about to get the title um, and his knee was, uh, I can't remember, I think it was a, a TV member clash of the champions. He completely blew his knee out and he was out for six months. Um, there was a horrendous moment where Bubba went to the top rope and then fell off. Again, not sure if planned, but didn't look good. Sting ultimately went for a slam. His knee gave away and then Rogers pinned him clean as a whistle in 1343. So completely bizarre treatment of one of their top stars, albeit one who hadn't worked for the WWF at this point. Um, and it was clearly that Hogan was just the show. Um, and even at just under 14 minutes, I thought this was too long. Not really for me and a firm skip. What do you think of uh, Big Bubba Rogers versus Sting here? Yeah, so so I had the the, the thing about him coming like like dressed as a brief There was a bit where Sting sort of starts like messing about with the with his outfit, and he chucks his hat into the crowd, and he yeah. goes, "This is uncensored." Like, <laughs> what you're like? And this is at the point where I was like, "You are taking this uncensored." Yeah, so, yeah. So far, because well, he's given someone else's hat away. Yeah. That's bad. Well, um, what they didn't know is the hat was full of nits. So whoever yeah, exactly. got that hat, yeah, yeah, yeah. you put it on, Nuts. you're in big trouble. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I did make a note. Tony Schiavone, I just put, this guy loves the stinger, doesn't he? <laughs> Tony yeah. Schiavone loves this man. Um, I, I thought halfway through, given what his attire was and his size, uh, Bubba started to look like a sort of a, just like a drunk bloke. After, like, uh, <laughs> I put like after post-work beers. Yeah. Because, you know, he had that sort of like, he's had too much to drink. And yeah, then someone's got, he's down, he he's normally, hanging out. He don't normally go and someone, some of the younger people in the office have gone, do you want to go to a club or something? And he's gone, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah I'll come down. <laughs> and then they're still there. They're like, look at the state of that. Covered in uh, sweat, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, the whole time I watch this, I'm trying to work out why it's a super contest. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, it certainly uh, wasn't a super contest. But I completely agree. The match changed after Sting got caught hurdling. Yeah. I, I put down a botch, but then all they did after was focus on the knee. Which yeah, so it, ma- it makes you wonder. Yeah. Um, one of the best bits for me was there was a bit, and they said, uh, I went back, the people are shocked. They don't know what to do, right, when Bubba was on top. As they said that, the people are shocked they don't want to do, like they do this so many times in these things, because you know, you're the cameraman, you're putting this production together, They've mentioned the crowd. They go to the crowd. There is one bloke who's just looking at the ceiling, just staring at the <laughs> ceiling. You know, like when you're bored, like in a waiting room, you're just looking at like, yeah, yeah. How, many, how many dots are up there? Look, right? Someone's yeah. in the ceiling. Someone's just sitting there with their arms folded, just like slumped. And one person, they pants like they go to, is just staring, not at the ring, just staring to like wow. the side. So they go, the people are shocked. So they don't know what to do. Yeah, they don't know what to do because they're so bored. Um, <laughs> I mean, Sting mixed some of the moves up when he was actually on top. Um, I, I, I didn't mind when Bubba used his tie. He was in a headlock and he used his tie to get out of it. Yeah. thought it was a little bit of intuition there. Um, falls on him to win. I mean, I just... Do you know what? When he, when, when he won... It took me back to wrestling now in regards to wrestling in an empty arena. Mm. He pinned him, match finished, silence. Yeah. Not even booze. No, but it's like people yeah. couldn't even be bothered. So the bloke <laughs> looking at the ceiling, it's happening, he's just gone, oh, right. So, oh, like, God. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's over. Thank it God. It's a massive skip. Yeah. And watch and and for me, I'm annoyed because again, as I said, I didn't really know much about. Sting, so I quite enjoy when we sort of cover, you know, look at old Sting stuff, so I can see what the what the original, you know, who yeah, was yeah, about. yeah, and then that happens, and I'm like, do you know what? I'm starting to think this. Yeah, I was, uh, do you know what? I was right originally. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't like him. So Uncle Dave called this a major upset and gave it two and a half stars, um, which I think is probably generous. Um, Shivani previewed the Slambury event on May 21st which will include a legendary union from the Bayfront Arena in St. Petersburg. And Tony said that they still had in store Hulk Hogan along with his ultimate surprise, the Renegade. So what they were doing here is gimmicking uh, this guy, Renegade, as close as they possibly could could do to the Ultimate Warrior. Um, And there was a quick recap of the Harlem Heat and Nasty Boys feud. And we get some shots of their earlier matches 
Arcade 1994 and the reversal of the Nazis win at the previous pay-per-view Super Brawl. So the Nazis were backstage with Tanay and Nobs. They shouted that the Harlem Heat need to be ready for a Nazi sensation to be stuffed right down their throat. Sags added that two cats from Harlem are going to get slammed on the floor and pinned one, two, three. I just thought this was awful, particularly Brian Nobbs just shouting like every possible stereotype bad wrestling promo. This was it. Do you have any thoughts on this? I'll just, uh, I'll just put it. It's just madness. Yeah. But as in like, not like, uh, oh, this is mad. This is brilliant. It was, I was just like, what is, what's happening here? Yeah. It was just it. mad. It was just, they were just, I don't think there was any rhyme or reason to what they were doing. No. No, no. Um, there's a quick look at the WCW Tag Team Champions with the music video and then the tag team title match. Classic Booker T theme that originated with the Harlem Heat films come out. Um, so Sherry was out first with two belts over her shoulder, but the Heat were nowhere to be found. Then the Nazis came out to their self-sang theme tune. And um, this was basically no rules and fools count anywhere. And the Nazis came out with a plastic trash can. So ever the gent, Brian Nobbs tried to strike Sherry on the outside as the commentators couldn't work out where the champions were until finally they came in and attacked the challengers from behind to little or no reaction. Um, the action in this was dicey, to say the least. I'm getting a little bit of water before I um, carry on with this. I think I'm going to need it. Um, with the crowd not really into the match, and the Nazis work and, and selling particularly brutal to watch. And um, poor Sherry got the patented Nazi boys pit stop where her face was thrown into, I think it was Nobs's, I know maybe Sags's armpit halfway through. They then headed backstage or back to the back of the arena to what appeared to be a fake concession stand area. And they started using the items as weapons, which soaked the floor and meant none of the men could stand up properly. So they were slipping all over the place, like trying to have a wrestling match on ice. And Nobbs hit a shot with something and then just fell over as the heat were covered in mustard. And poor Sherry had heels on trying to get involved in this. Booker hurled Nobbs into one of the stands. It collapsed and he fell over. Nobs actually pinned Booker while the camera wasn't looking. Um, this was absolutely atrocious um, and not so bad it was good. It was so bad it was sad. I, I don't know what, I think it must have been a misprint in the Observer because Dave Meltzer gave his two and a half stars. And I don't know what he was thinking, but this was just a, this was a, an absolute abomination. Um, and perhaps he saw some comedy in it, but I really didn't. This is a big time skip for me. What did you think of this tag tag match? And I don't think they even gave the Nazi was the titles afterwards, did they either? So I'm not sure what was going on here. So the titles that you mentioned there, um, the whole night, anyone that had a belt, no belts were on the line. Right. Okay. Okay. At all. Um, point, which, what's the po absolute point? What's the point? So was the world uh, title not on the line in the main event then? Nope. What? No belts were on the line. Um, no, no, there was no title matches. Waste Probably because it was uncensored. Wasting my, um, my time. Um, I, I've done a little bit of research on, you know, why is it Texas Tornado, not just Falls Cut anyway, and saw that that's invented by the Von Erics, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, oh, yeah, okay. So that's why it's called the Texas Tornado match. Um, we just saw the Harlem Heat hit the uh, Indy slash Meltzer driver off the top. I don't know if you saw that, but the... Uh, the sorry, very, you slightly cut out then, Dad. What did they hit? The sets, they hit like what, what is now known as the Meltzer driver. Off the, oh, off the really? well, not with a flip though, but this, but like a spike pile driver. Spike pile, yeah, where one's holding and the other jumps yeah. on, yeah. Which I was like, mm, yeah. okay, that's interesting. Um, and at that point, I was like, oh, okay, maybe we're going to see a little bit. 
and then they then they left the ring to the concession stand, which you just mentioned you believe is a false concession stand. Uh, for those that haven't seen it, um, don't go and see it. Uh, <laughs> popcorn, lemonade, and funnel cake, which I understand is a cross between a donut and a churros. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, and there was also, so they were the different stands, popcorn, lemonade, funnel cake, and you also had candy floss. I mean, personally, you've been to many events with me, uh, whether that be football, you know, wrestling, we've been to as well. If that was the concession stand, I'd be absolutely livid. No beer, <laughs> that'd be me out of it. Like, yeah. Like, so I hope for everyone in attendance that day, that was a fake yeah so i would have been livid um i mean i laughed at the hay earlier on um but compared to them going mad when he got hit with some cotton candy the hay must have been like a steel chair yeah like yeah. this bit they, went, they he hit him with some cotton candy or can't see i've changed that it's candy floss for what 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 are you doing and then they're uh, slipping yeah. around like, and they're at, just clarify, they're actually some of them are like they're proper stacking it, like they're really like. I think one of the nasty boys goes down. He's really slipped, like didn't mean to. He's proper gone, gone arse over titters. We would say over here. Um, then it just turns into a food fight. They didn't. You didn't even get to see the winning pin. I heard. I heard a two count, uh, but when they went back, it was a three. I've just put what a mess. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yes. Skip. Just absolutely and utterly dismal. Just I actually originally done skip slash it was all right because I thought, you know, it might be one of the ones where you might want to go and see it because it was that bad. But the more I've thought about it since I've watched it, the more I'm annoyed at myself for even contemplating it. Yeah. Um, just, just absolutely, absolutely diabolical. Um, they cut backstage to Vader and he said, it's time, Hogan. The demon stands before him. There is no place left to run and there's no place left to hide. He is going to pay for his stupidity. It's unsanctioned and uncensored. Flair is in his corner and between them, they have 23 world titles. Flair, still with makeup around his eyes from earlier, said he wasn't just a pretty face, but he's a man possessed with Hulk Hogan. His whole career, people have told him he can't beat him. And he said, bring it on. Flair said that Hogan took him out of his element. He retired him, but no, he has become the man possessed with taking him out of the sport forever. Oh, sorry, now he's become the man possessed with taking him out of the sport forever. Vader said after Super Bowl, the whole man, the whole man saw who the man, the whole world saw who the man was, and it's Vader time, a Flair time, and then Vader told people to tune in. I guess if you were tuning into the pay per view, you are unlikely to turn off, but perhaps you would after the disgrace of the last match. What do you make of this promo? The Flair one. Yeah, this Vader and Flair. Yeah, the Vader Flair one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just I was just laughing at the fact that Flair had left his eyeliner on. Yeah. He's now varnished on. So he was still in like semi drag at this stage. Yeah. Um what was Vader and like obviously Vader just kept sort of butting in with interruptions. What what was their reaction? Like reaction what was their connection, sorry? What uh, just that, just that, just that. Um, Flair was in his corner for this. That that was all that was. Oh, ah, there was no right. Okay, because you think they were some sort of like faction of some sort. Um, no, yeah, they weren't. Was, they weren't. Yeah, no, they weren't. No, it was all right. I was too. Bu- I was too busy just looking at Flair, thinking, "Why have you not got out of drag yet?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, not 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 the best. Um, we then got a recap of some of the events leading up to the main event and Ho- and a Hogan promo, and he and who said he knew the power of the ultimate surprise. So Michael Buffer was on ring announcing duty for this main event strap match and michael said the match which was supposed to be unsanctioned was sanctioned by wcw and the mississippi state athletic commission he did the let's get ready to rumble shtick which makes me think of dx and then vader was out first on with rick flair what did you think of hogan's wcw theme here american made okay so yeah with hogan i mean so he done his interview before he, he used one of my favorite lines he does where he says I was born at night, but not last night. I love that. Yeah. I don't know if you said I'm like, no, I was born at night, not last night. I, <laughs> I just, I know, I love that one. Um, yeah. We, we've Hogan here, actually. Is it like, so I've got a bit later on where I'll sort of feel how he's coming over with everyone. But I, at this stage, I didn't really like the music. Yeah. Uh, because you're just comparing it again. But actually, at the end of the show, I didn't mind it. Um, I, yeah, I it was all right. It, I thought I did an all right job with it, didn't I? I think it's I, always I, gonna find be tough. It, I find it interesting. He's still in yellow and red. Um, now I, I wonder know, how much. Sorry, I wonder how much it would have cost WCW to buy the rights to Real American. I don't know. Yeah, but but well, I, I was going to comment, but I spoke to Tony about this. You see, like you know, a big. WCW fan, he said, the thing is, you say, you know, oh, why, why, you know, why not buy it and stuff? But I think if you're a WCW fan, you didn't want links. You wanted it. So like Tony was like, they never really liked, he, he wasn't, he wasn't going down well. Like, like I'll come on to it a bit more later with some of the bits, but like the yellow and red, Tony was like, you know, he said, a WCW fan, that never worked for him. Because no, it was like, but, no, that's hey. your old, that's your old life. Get, get rid of that. So maybe if they brought the music over, it'd be a bit like, no, you're here now. But then I think the idea was the idea was to bring WF fans. This is why they were going this route was to bring WF fans to the promotion. So I I I know what you mean, but I mm, unless you could argue, maybe you do it, you do it all of it, so you get music, attire, name, etc. Yeah, or you do none of it. You don't just go. We're keeping them yellow and red, but we'll change the song here. And we'll do that, you know, you either do all or nothing. You don't just do a little yeah, bit here or mean. a little bit there. Um, so, yeah, I didn't mind the song, but again, it's just not the same, is it? Not like really, no, no. Yeah, not really. But I say that, I say that. I actually had to think about, I had to think about this in regards to, um, yeah, uh, maybe it's different because he, you know, Hogan's a bit of an anomaly, right? He's a bit of a one-off. But, you know, if I think about, I love Chris Jericho in WWE, Break the Walls Down, loved that tune, loved all of that. He's come over to AEW, completely different bloke, really. I love his theme music now. Yeah. They t- they, like, they've been messing around with it recent weeks. I've hated that. I, comp- I completely forgot about that other element of him. Yeah. I but I, which I still really like, don't get me wrong. Like, if I watch anything with, run around that 1999-2000 time. I love it. But I've been easily able to change my view. Whereas mm. I don't know whether Hogan's a bit different because he's a bit... It's a, We're talking the next sort of... It's a proper icon, like, you know... Like, you, you ask anyone, anyone, any age, name me a wrestler, 
80 percent are going Hulk Hogan. Do you think as high as that still now? Yeah, I still think yeah. now. I do still think now. Yeah, probably, probably more than before because you might have had the older generation, particularly over in the UK, go join the Hoostacks. That's what they would say. Yeah. I Whereas mean. now that generation ain't, you know, out like my parents were. I don't know. They would probably maybe. I, I just think Hulk Hogan is what. Do you not yeah. think a lot of younger people would say The Rock though now? Maybe, but yeah. but we're talking, you know, I reckon under 25. I reckon over 25, you're not saying mm. The Rock. We'll be saying Hulk Hogan still, yeah. And I'm talking about, remember, this is me saying to anyone, not a, a wrestling fan might not say that, but a, just a person off the street, for, you know, if I said to my wife, who's got yeah, no yeah, yeah. wrestler, she should say Hulk Hogan. She may now the oh, only reason, yeah. good point actually, the only reason you might say The Rock is because she might say The Rock because she watches movies with Dwayne Johnson in and yeah, knows he yeah. was that's, The Rock. That's the, thing. that's the thing I think. I think Hogan. That's maybe the, yeah. that's maybe yeah. the reason, the movie side of it. I think it depends on age. I think, I think most people our age and above would probably say Hulk Hogan still, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, some would say Steve Austin, but I think, I think the, the younger generation would probably say The Rock. Um, so Hogan, I thought, got an all right reaction here, but clearly impacted by the fact he'd been out on the show earlier in the evening. And Giovanni explains that the object of a strap match is to beat your opponent down and drag them around the ring so you can touch all four corners. So as Vader and Ric Flair stood looking down at Hogan, Renegade's music starts, and this was a total warrior ripoff. To the point, I wondered how many people in the, in the crowd actually thought this was the ultimate warrior. Um, I didn't hear a bell as Hogan and Vader went at it on the outside as Renegade ushered Flair to the back. Flair at the time was at wrestling, as I mentioned, following his loss to Hogan at Halloween Havoc 94 in a retirement match, retirement match albeit he would be back in in-ring action the following month. Jimmy Hart finally made his way out to ringside about five minutes in with his shirt ripped apart and tie out of place, uh, but still on, and tape around his arms and legs, alluding to the fact he'd been tied up or taped up somewhere. Um, so from the March 27th Observer describing the closing sequences of this match, um, so Vader used a choke slam and started whipping Hogan with a strap. When he did a suplex, Hogan popped back up and made the Superman comeback complete with leg drop. A masked man who was supposed to have been Arn Anderson in a black scorpion outfit rang to ringside and hit Renegade with a chair and then ran off. Flair attacked Hogan and hit Renegade a few more times with the chair Vader started dragging Hogan around, but after three corners, Flair told him to stop and put Hogan onto a chair and told Vader to come off the top rope onto him. Of course, Hogan moved and Vader somersaulted onto the chair, which broke. Flair got another easily breakable balsa wood chair and broke it on Hogan, who didn't sell it at all. Somehow the strap came off Vader. Hogan put the strap on Flair, foot to the face, leg drop, and Hogan dragged Flair to all four corners, all four corners to win the match in spite of Flair not being in the match after the match Vader attacked Hogan and they had a standoff with Renegade when the Black Scorpion came out once again this time Anderson crawled out of the dressing room all bound and gagged and the idea was Scorpion was Randy Savage who had stolen the costume from Anderson and he Hogan and Renegade cleared the ring and they left uh, the ring together posing with the show ending about 20 minutes earlier early sorry so yes Hogan dragged Ric Flair to all four corners, this is me now, to win a strap match against Vader. And somehow, Dave, 
gave this 19 minutes of overbooked and total turd three and a half stars. And I just can't believe, like one of the matches earlier on, this that wasn't a misprint. This is a big time skip for me with one of the worst finishes I've ever seen as part of an event so bad, I find it difficult to even comprehend that this actually exists in human life. What were your thoughts on this main event? I'm not sure how to follow that. Um, okay, let's go. Let's have this, 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 this. Let's go a bit more lighthearted, because you know you've would have. <laughs> let's start. Let's start on Michael Buffer. Yeah. Okay. Right? Go on. He's worth four hundred million pounds. That man. I don't know. Is it really? Because he trademarked. Let's get ready to rumble. Oh wow. Okay. For and I had a look. For what else does he do though? Nothing. That's what he does. He literally <laughs> does that ring announcing. And he does he's that. worth yeah. 400 million. For, how are you even allowed? I've just said, let's go around Rumble Den twice now. How much do I, do I owe him money now? Like, <laughs> I think do you I probably owe do, him? yeah. That's what I'm saying. So there's two bucks straight away. Madness. Anyway, um, another number one contender versus the champion. No bell up for grabs. Annoying. Now, let's go to Renegade. As you said, the tease was the Renegade was meant to be the Ultimate Warrior, right? Now, I've done a little bit of reading into this. This was Renegade's debut. You said that you thought some people might have thought he was the Ultimate Warrior. You're correct. Yeah. You're correct. Apparently, some people did believe he was the Ultimate Warrior, even after his reveal here. <laughs> yeah. Because of, I mean, the music was literally like identical. His mannerisms like running around and, you know, his dress and everything like that, okay? But so many people believed it that apparently Ultimate Warrior done an interview two years later, I think it was, or a year later, 18 months later, where he dispelled. He said, that it's not me. Yeah. Just to clarify, right? And that then stopped Renegade's momentum. So Renegade was being used with Hogan, apparently. Then when the Warrior come out and said, it's not me, they literally cut Renegade off from all the storylines. I become, didn't know that, yeah. And he became a jobber, right? And I thought become, that that might, was, was, was that, I think it might even have been a little bit earlier than that, actually. I'm not sure he was. was, yeah, yeah. I mean, just kind of like, become a jobber. He also did become a stunt double for the Ultimate Warrior as well. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the Ultimate Warrior is using a stunt double for. So it looks to me here like he was fairly solidly pushed until... Probably autumn of um, ninety-five. So yeah. by by ninety by the end of ninety-five, he was losing. Um, yeah. So and apparently that ties in with Alt Warrior sort of in confirming it wasn't here. Yeah. So he become a jobber, yeah, stunt double, and then they let him go. Um, and it, it, from what I read, the assumption was he'll find he'll find he'll get picked up, and he didn't. And unfortunately, he shot himself in the head. Yeah, 1999. Yeah. And do you know what? I was just like, that is harrowing, isn't it? What an like, just like, story. What, like, they've got this guy. They've said, we want you to pretend to be someone else. But just to let you know, when people realise you're not that person, we're just literally going to cut you dry. Yeah. See you later. Um, I mean, uh, going back to, I think, touch, touch on it earlier on. They tried to copy the Ultimate Warrior. That was my view of WCW. Yeah. Like when it was like, oh, they're trying to copy Ultimate Warrior. I used to think Sting was a copy of like Kane or The Undertaker. 
Like every oh, WCW really? okay, person, yeah. I would always link through and go, oh, you're trying to be him. You're trying to be him. You're trying to be him. You know, Goldberg arrives. Well, we don't know who you're trying to be. So when I was looking at this, I was like, well, that's exactly what I used to say. So I was right. Uh, but I get the gist. This was a real deliberate angle. And you wonder, did they try and get out more? I, I don't know whether it didn't work out. But they've set this guy up to fall. You know, they've, yeah. really built, they've literally gone to everyone. Like, you know, someone from the dark side, as we said, all this stuff. He comes out. You know, you, you, you're setting him up to look like a Wally. Yeah, this is um, the whole story. I felt really match, sorry for him. Yeah. Um, I noticed during the match, there was someone in the front row, like a kid, I think, who had like a checked T-shirt on, but I had orange, white, blue and green. Don't think you can buy them anymore. Um, I had a Hogan bandana on, who was proper giving it to Ric Flair. You know, oh, like, really? <laughs> just made it, there's so many times we're watching these shows now and I miss, miss the crowds. And it's just little things like that again, like, he was like losing his head at Ric Flair. And he's just like, oh, you just don't get any of this at the moment. Oh, no. No, we're, we're hopefully at the back end of it now. But just like, oh, you just don't get this sort of like the crowd like losing their mind. Like, oh, I know. Getting you mean. Everything they know about wrestling and just be like, oh, this is it. This is happening right now. I hate this man. It's but so I literally odd. Lose- it, sorry, sorry, Dan. I was going to say it's so odd. I was watching a, watching a Steve Austin thing with Randy Orton um, earlier on today, and even recent stuff, like there was some stuff from the start of 2020, and it just feels so weird seeing a crowd now. Anything recent, like obviously yeah. you watch like WrestleMania four or something. Obviously, there's a crowd there, but yeah, it's just it's just like it was. It's been a year now when we we've, we've had this kind of like strange hybrid of you know it's not really what we we know it to be really so yeah so yeah. carry on um then obviously jimmy hart finally arrives happy days so they can stop talking about it um looking like someone from the castaway uh i'm wondering if it is the real jimmy hart given what i've already yeah. seen probably some copycat jimmy fart or something running down you know that they <laughs> took from took from somewhere else um but yeah it was him and he's running around uh, in regards to the leather strap match itself, um, I actually don't mind the idea of the leather strap match. Um, uh, like, they kept unhooking themselves. Mm. Uh, I like the idea that, because I think you can get, you know, you can get some quite good good things. Like, they, you know, there was times when, you know, he's pulling Vader towards the tur- like the turnbuckle when they're outside. Like, you can pull them through and, you know, put it under his legs and, yanked it up I don't mind it um obviously you've got to touch the four corners which I think you've got you've got to do it in one attempt haven't you yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah um the the camera cutting away for the chair shots which I assume is linked for their no blood policy the camera kept I don't know if you know it's from the chair shots the camera kept cutting away oh I didn't really notice and, that, and, and it weren't yeah. cutting away you could still see the chair shot yeah but it kept going back Oh, like a wider angle. Yeah, which just yeah. so reminded me of watching Raw back in the yeah. day when I got home from school, where you'd watch <laughs> it. You know, I'd record if I'd missed the re- if I'd missed if I had if I'd forgot to record it when it was live. Yeah, so I've got to, I've got to yeah. watch it, and then you just got the ah uh, cut to the fans again. And yeah. you just missed where they wouldn't show any. It was I had so many flashbacks for that. I hated that. Mm. Um, but it. But going back to Hogan, you mentioned earlier on about how he sort of 
done his, you know, where he gets back up and then done a leg drop. For me, a couple of times he's done the ear cup and the leg drops up. He don't get the pop, does he? He doesn't get it. Like no. when he done the ear cup, I could hear some boos. Yeah, no, yeah. It goes back yeah. to what I was saying. That, like, I think what, so Tony, my you know, WCW expert was sort of saying to me, you know, people didn't want that. No, that people was his didn't old, want that. Like, yeah. Get rid of it. So like, like he'd done the leg drop. You couldn't really, like, it was just nothing. It was just sort of, okay, you've done a leg drop. Well done. You know, it only got, got worse for him in WWE in terms of because because I didn't even think it was all that bad at this point, but it only got worse in terms of people kind of rejecting. Yeah. So it's just a bit flat. Yeah. Um, I did the, the idea of the masked man thing. I like. I, I didn't mind all that. I thought it was quite funny. I thought it was funny that the chair was wooden. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought Vader missing his somersault and doing a forward roll onto the chair from the top rope, which was a yeah. big guy coming up there. So, um, but yeah, then I've just got. There was no ref because it was unsanctioned. No ref because it's unsanctioned, right? Bell still rang though at the end. So who's <laughs> rang that? And secondly, Corsa wasn't a ref because Hogan has walked round a guest to win it. <laughs> I mean, I've just put in here another mess. And yeah. there's one bit at the end when they sort of square up to each other. Hogan stops Renegade using. He stops Renegade then getting involved. Yeah. In the chair. Uh, yeah, just an absolute mess. Um, yeah. I've, yeah, I've put skip slash it was all right. Oh, wow. <laughs> just because it's got Hulk Hogan in it. Fair, fair. So this event did 180,000 buys on pay per view, and I feel for all the poor souls who purchased this and you probably still have nightmares about it to this very day, I would give this event a 2 out of 10. And one of those marks is for Bobby Heenan's commentary, um, even though uh, his genius faded a little bit by the end. And one for the boxer versus wrestler match for those uh, stiff-as-anything punches from Mark... Sorry, Mark Mero, Johnny B. Bad, as he was back then, which I thought was surprisingly well done overall. What's your rating for this event and any final thoughts? So I'd give about three. Um... Heenan, yeah. Also, a bit. I've just, I sort of just realised I missed out. I did like it when Arn Anderson came waddling in. <laughs> yeah. When he was, <laughs> I really like that. Actually, and I thought that was quite a good twist because I didn't know that was going to happen. Uh, so I was just like, "Who's this?" He comes waddling in, and again, I didn't know it was going to be Matchman. So I actually, that's why I done the slash. It was alright because there was just a slight twist at the end that I didn't expect, and yeah. and and, and uh, I just amused me a little bit. Um, so that was that. And then, um, and also just to clarify, another bit I've just seen on my notes is Heenan made a comment of, oh, Hogan, he put, Hogan uh, must have anticipated this and brought a black outfit with him for Savage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, has this happened? I don't know if it's happened before this whole No, I don't. I, don't know. I just want to I really doubt that Hulk Hogan when, when they might, they might, just in case they do a masked man, do you want to just pick up that, that, uh, Black leotard and balaclava over there. Yeah, come on. Oh, it's back. Sorry, Dan. My uh, my laptop just frozen. I'm thinking we're gonna have to redo the, the whole show. But hopefully, I hopefully we've caught caught you. Carry on speaking. But yeah, carry on with your. If you haven't, you missed nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, I mean, he and he and summarised the show. We've had kid kidnapping, beating people up, tied up chairs. And he put bats. I think masked men, unmasking men. He loved it. 
so I'm going to say. I didn't. Um, and how can I put it? Right. I put it that there was end, there was end credits okay, to this, which I thought was a bit strange for a pay-per-view. And it was very, sort of very VHS. And my mm. closing comment was, if this was a film, it would have gone straight to VHS. Yeah. <laughs> not have yes. made for cinema. This would have been a straight to VHS. Oh, by the way, we bought a film out, watch it if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, I would recommend it though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I guess my closing comments, uh, first, two really. Firstly, another absolute classic pick by yourself. So thanks. I know, for awful. Secondly, and here we go. Just a little bit of research for this podcast. And I'll tell you now, there's one person out there in the universe that would love your last two picks, mate. Oh, God. Love your last two picks. There is someone out there who maybe you two are, you know, destined to meet each other. Missy Hyatt. Yeah. The Missy Hyatt, 35,500 followers on Twitter. The, the, what did, she was known as the First Lady of Mud Show Wrestling, self-proclaimed. But lots of people say First Lady of WCW. Yeah. Her yep. Twitter bio yep. reads as follows. Tupelo concession stand brawl and Tallahassee bunkhouse stampede regional champion. Wow. I think that that uh, Tupelo concession brawl is not about the nice I know. I'm not saying it yeah. is about it. I'm oh, not, okay. saying, sorry, either, sorry, I'm not yeah. saying either of them are about the two events we've watched. Okay, her yeah. bio literally states that Tupelo concession stand brawl and a bunkhouse stampede champion. Oh, okay. So she's two into shows it, yeah. She's just into have been it. Stamp, bunkhouse stampede and then a Tupelo, Tupelo uh, concession stand brawl. So do you know what? We sit here and think, what a load of rubbish that we've had to review. But Missy Hyatt... Missy Hyatt loves it. She yeah. absolutely bloody loves all this. So if anyone is going to listen to the last two podcasts that Steve's picked... It's going to be that lady right there. I just have and, to add. Sorry, God, Dan. I was going to say, a bio ends in First Lady of Mud Show Wrestling. So I look forward to your pick for a couple of months' time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I knew, I saw it. I jumped in too early there. The, the original two-play concession stand brawl was Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee versus Larry Latham and the future Honky Tonk Man in 1979, which is available on YouTube. But I, I'm not going to be watching that right now. So, Dan, it's back over to you and your pick for... Uh, next month, hopefully more WCW from 1995. So what are we going to be doing next month? So I thought about that. I had a little look and thought, right, hang on. We've got what what I, I put into Google and just put worst WCW pay-per-views <laughs> ever and saw that number one and number two had been done. So I thought, right, okay, well, in that case, I need to need to need to need to mix it up. So actually for next month, I mean, yeah, a lot of people say oh, the obvious might be might be a WrestleMania or something like that. But I have recently really sort of got into New Japan, uh, really enjoying it. And there was an event in April 91, it, I believe. It was 91. in, well, it, we're, we're slightly blurring the lines here, which is fine. It was aired in April. Yeah, so it aired in April. It was it aired on pay-per-view in the States on the 7th of 
April 1991. And it, it was, took place, I believe, well, on the 21st of March. But we're counting. Yeah, 21st of March. Um, and it is the Japan Super Show from the Tokyo Dome. Yes, yeah, so, so I think this is a, not, a, a, a merger between WCW and New Japan. Yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Really interested to see. I have literally no idea what to expect, what we'll see. Um, but oh, I'm really looking forward to it. But then again, yeah, I was looking, I'm forward, really looking to, forward to it. I was too. looking forward to this. So, you know. So I think, yeah, me too. I think what we're going to do is we're going to, I've, I've found this is one of the few WCW pay-per-views that didn't, that hasn't, is on the network for some reason. I don't really know why. So I think the way we're going to do it is we're going to, we're going to, we found uh, the the kind of home video version of this. This this was a four and a half hour event overall, um, but the, the actual pay-per-view portion was only just under two hours. So I think what we're going to, so I don't know if any of the matches are edited on that, but I think what we'll do is, We'll watch that and then um, we may select some of the other matches that didn't air, um, depending on whether we can be bothered, I think is, is probably a reasonable um, call on that. But yeah, that's, that's a good one that we're looking forward to next month. So that's the, the first Japanese super show, otherwise known as, I think, Starcade in the, in the Tokyo Dome, I think it was also known as as well. So looking forward to that one. That was main evented by Ric Flair versus Tatsunu. I can't say any names this evening. I don't know what's wrong with me. We'll have, to get our, we'll have to get our pronunciations bang on next month. Yeah, Fujinami. Uh, I, I don't know why I can't say anyone's first name. Anyone, Tatsumi Fujinami. There we go. I couldn't say Kazuchi. Kazu, oh, I can't still even say can't. it again. I still can't swim with me. That's one cause light and one Mikkel of Ultra light. So, yeah. <laughs> right, Dan, where can we find you on uh, online? Uh, at Dan PFFC. Right, good stuff. Dan, thank you very much for your time as ever. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll be back with a couple of Mid-South shows coming up soon. We'll also be back next month with uh, the, obviously, Starcade in the, in the Tokyo Dome shows. We'll speak to you again. God, I need to stop talking now. I don't know, I've lost the plot. We'll speak to you all again very, very soon. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, why not head over to Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button follow on Spotify or press whatever you need to where you listen to this show to receive the episodes as soon as they are released. We love reviews at Mid-South Moments, so why don't you make my day by leaving a five-star rating? Also, if you're interested in guest hosting in the future, please do reach out at Mid Moments on Twitter, and I look forward to speaking with you all again very, very soon.